0: And welcome back here on this Thursday edition of the Pat Miller program. Let's run to the phones real quick because standing by is our host for WoWO's Health Call Live every Saturday morning from 9 to 10. It's Lee Kelso. Lee, good afternoon to you, sir. Happy Thursday. Oh, Thank you, Pat. Good afternoon, everybody. So did you get uh, the, all the snow and everything at your driveway and your sidewalks all handled and taken care of?
1: You know, it was about as much as my tired old snow thrower could move. But, yeah, we got, I got it under control. So, yeah. Um, I am ready for this to be our last taste of winter.
0: Oh, I, I was ready before we he got things?
1: here. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. My snowblower is four years old. Bought it when we bought the new house. It's an electric start, and you can hear it winding and everything. And it will do everything except kick over. It absolutely will not kick over. Uh, yeah. So I had well, to.
1: Sometimes I don't like to kick over either. You can wind <laughs> me up. And- <laughs> Getting me to actually kick over, that's a whole different story.
0: Yeah. Honey, are you getting up yet? Because we're, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about this Saturday. You've got a, a full hour. you got a couple of different people uh, going to be with you there in that first half hour. From 9 to 9.15, you're talking to Leslie Beck, who's a nutritionist. So what is she going to talk to us about? So, this is
1: interesting. There was a study at Stanford Medical, and they gave people a, one group of people ate a high um, fiber diet, another group of people ate a diet high in fermented foods, and they kind of expected that both of them would see a lot of benefit. They were very surprised when the people in the fermented foods category showed more benefit than in the fiber diet and the primary benefit was an increase in the ability of their bodies to fight inflammation really so a high fermented food diet reduces the, the amount of cytokines specifically the interleukin-6 cytokine that was traceable in the blood so that means your overall inflammation level was reduced by changing your diet to high fermented foods so now when, that,
0: you, when, when you say cytokine is that cyTO uh,
1: yes cytokine okay so that is a that is a, a uh, anything that co- not anything but but proteins that cause inflammation in your body are referred to as a cytokine wow. so uh, and inflammation is bad for a lot of things my gosh we can there are now beliefs that it's involved with dementia but also uh, diabetes, uh, arthritis, uh, cancer. So anything we can do to lower the degree of inflammation that is just underway in our bodies all the time has significant health benefits.
0: Okay, we're talking about fermented foods. Help Mike's feeble brain here. What is a fermented food? I mean, what, what's fermented that I could go buy? If I go to Kroger, what am I looking for? Oh, you, good point.
1: So you want to make sure that you buy foods that are refrigerated. Uh, so fermented foods, if you see anything that, that uh, well, here's sauerkraut, for example. Sauerkraut is a, is a superfood because it has a lot of fiber, but it's also fermented. So they have introduced bacteria to start breaking down the plant compounds. Huh. And so you, you can buy sauerkraut in a jar, but that's not likely to have active bacteria because it's been pasteurized. So you want to look for fermented foods in the refrigerator section because that way those bacteria that started the process are more likely to still be there and be alive. So sauerkraut, kombushka, which is a fermented drink. Uh, a fermented pearl. drink. Yeah. So kombushka is it's a form of tea that they've added to or have fermented. And so it's a little effervescent. It's a little fizzy and it comes in lots of different flavors. And there are companies locally here in Fort Wayne that are producing their own kombucha.
0: Have you had any of that?
1: Oh yeah, sure. Got some right here in my fridge right
0: now. Oh, stop it. I do.
1: And it's it's a, uh, it's a little, it tastes a little sharp. Uh, and so what some people do is uh, thin it out. So you be, you buy a it's almost always in a glass bottle because of the pressure that the uh, fermentation produces Um, those bacteria being active, give off gases. And so they put them in a a, usually a pretty thick glass container. And um, so if this is your first time with it, what a lot of people do is dilute it with a little bit of water. So a little 50-50 mix. And then you can sort of increase the amount until you get more accustomed to the taste. And lots of different flavors, lots of different versions. And what you'll see when you buy a bottle of this stuff is there's usually a layer of gunk at the bottom That's the good stuff. So you want to kind of shake it up.
0: So you stir it all up in through there.
1: Exactly. Wow. Yeah, so kombucha. And then there's kefir, kefir, kefir. That is a fermented dairy product. And what they're finding is people who have a problem with dairy sometimes do better with the kefir or yogurt because the bacteria have already started to break down the lactic acid or the lactic sugars that are in those dairy products and make it easier for you to digest.
0: Now, is this, so, is this any yogurt? Cause I know a lot of times two or three nights a week, maybe Kim will have like a yogurt cup or something uh, that I'll have as my late night snack and everything. So is, is all yogurt in this category or, or am I looking for that cytokine?
1: Uh, no, you don't want cytokines. That's the bad stuff in okay. your blood. What you want is you want active cultures in the yogurt. So, um, you want as close to a naturally active yogurt as you can get. Now you, you'll find lots of yogurts out there, but some of them contain so much sugar that they're not really helping you all that much. So, so you're you your
0: your counterbalancing the good stuff. Right. Wow. Right.
1: So yeah, so we just talked the whole idea here is um, if you combine high fiber foods with fermented foods, you get the maximum benefit from all of what those little bacteria can do for your body.
0: Um, Then, And I know you've talked to Kelsey Byers before, but you got Kelsey Byers coming on from the IU Medical School. Um, And what is it we're talking about here? Because I know there's something in there talking about first patient. What is that?
1: Yeah, this is interesting. So at the IU Med School, you can donate your body to the IU Medical School. And the students there use it in the anatomy lab. And if you talk to your doctor and say, think back to medical school, do you still remember your first patient in the anatomy lab? According to Kelsey Byers, almost every doctor will say, oh, yeah, I definitely remember that experience of first time. Really? Working with a human cadaver in the lab.
0: I'm just trying to picture the looks on the staff there at IU Med when they come rolling my fat butt in there. And (laughs) and, and the kids look down and go, can we send this one back? I mean...
1: well, that's an interesting point because there are height and weight requirements, so you may you may have to make some adjustments before the donation can go. Well,
0: they'll just have to stretch me out after I'm dead, cause, because because I, I, yeah, because I had a lab done a couple months ago and I found out I'm in fact not overweight, but I'm five and three quarter inches too short. So if we just <laughs> pull, pull, <laughs> do that
1: it changes the whole equation, changes the math. It absolutely yeah,
0: does, this, but but the, so but story. but there there are people that they that if you can, you're not just donating a kidney, you're not just donating a heart, but you're donating your entire body to IU Med.
1: Yes, and uh, if you have this, this thought that you want to donate your body to science, the point that she wants people to understand is if you donate to, for example, the anatomical program at Indiana University, your body won't be used to research any specific disease or solve a problem. It's going to be used in teaching young students. So they'll, they will use your body in the anatomy lab for up to two years. And uh, as they go through and get hands on education about human anatomy. And I asked, you know, why in this day and age when everything's 3D and computerized, do we still have to have that? And her answer is absolutely. You cannot replace the value of seeing that human organ in place and how your body is put together with something on the computer screen. It just doesn't have the same impact for medical students. Well, that's that's as opposed to when you donate your body to science broadly. There are people out there who are body brokers. They actually will take bodies you've donated, your body that you donate to science And what can happen to it there is you can be dismembered and those parts sold literally around the world. The U.S. has very uh, light restrictions on that process, unlike many other countries, that do not allow the section of the human body. So there are body parts from the United States packaged and sent overseas, used to research a number of different things. and many people don't understand that they think they're donating their body to science and it's going to be used you know in a lab here and it might help advance research on the disease and it may but you may also your head may be sent to eastern europe to be used in uh, plastic <laughs> surgery education and your 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 pelvis might go to a company that is doing development on orthopedic implants yeah and just think about <laughs> all of that
0: yeah <laughs> I'm just picturing people getting my head and open who who wants to open up that bag? <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind
1: of gross uh but you know
0: I think it's important that people understand that let me ask you this and just see if you know if you've already decided like i I can't donate because of my history with my kidney and all the other stuff, but correct, you would not be accepted. That's true, but if I wanted to donate my body, but I had already determined that let's say because I had a friend who died because of kidney disease or something. So I, I specifically want to donate my kidney to some hospital somewhere. Does that preclude the rest of my body from not being able to be taken to IU Med? I mean, can they do that? No. Once, once your original anatomy has been
1: disturbed, you're no longer a candidate for this program. Wow. Um, so we're get pre- pretty picky. Know, I'm, a, I'm a big supporter of organ donation. Um, and in fact, speaking of kidneys, down the road, Pat, you'll find this interesting. I've got a segment that I'm doing with a company that takes pig livers and kidneys and they wash out the pig cells, leaving behind just kind of a scaffold, of framework of that organ. And then they infuse it with human liver or kidney cells to create an organ that they can then implant into humans.
0: So, if you have an organ that could not directly be taken from a pig into a human body by washing it out direction. by washing it out and then implementing um, some some human characteristics into that organ, the organ then might be able to be used in a human
1: Yes, that is their procedure, and well I'll have more on this in the future as we wrap up that interview, but um, they are this year they expect to take a humanized pig liver and place it next to a person in liver failure and start pumping blood through this humanized liver to give that person a bridge to life. Because if you can't get a liver for transplant, there's no such thing as a dialysis machine for the liver. So phase one of this process is we're going to test using these humanized pig livers to do the work on the for your body, and then proof of concept, and once everybody's comfortable with that and they can get it approved, then they'll move forward to absolutely making those organs available for transplant.
0: Look, I know we're in 2023, but doesn't that sound like Star Trek to you? I mean, I, I know. I mean it's so futuristic. It's either futuristic or it's from 1950, and I see lightning going through the operating room and Vincent Price is standing there. I mean, it's <laughs> I'm caught somewhere between the two.
1: It's fascinating stuff. And that's, you know, gosh, that's why I love doing what we do here on Health Call because
0: I get to talk to all these interesting people around the world. Well, I'll tell you, as a Health Call listener, I never get bored. Uh, let's do this. We've only got about a couple minutes left, Lee, and I don't want to discount this. Discount drugs. Jared Dashevsky is going to come and talk to you, and he is the creator of the Healthcare Huddle newsletter. What is this?
1: So. Very quickly, the newsletter is something he produces for medical students and others to kind of keep them up to speed on new trends in healthcare because they're so busy they can't really follow the news all that well. But what he's done is taking a look at Mark Cuban's discount drugs. It's called Cost Plus Drugs. Mark Cuban set out to disrupt the overpriced pharmaceutical market, and he has, he's been very successful. So they now have over $1 thousand generic drugs that you can go online and your doctor can prescribe for you. And they are the cost of the drug plus 15% markup plus a $3 dispensing fee plus $5 shipping. And so people can save a tremendous amount of money. So there are some examples that uh, we will discuss. One of them is a particular drug that the retail price is $2,400 per month. And if you buy it at cost-plus, it's $149. Shut up.
0: I mean, that there doesn't are. even seem possible, does it?
1: And, and Jared will explain why uh, the, the way that drugs are sold and priced is designed to be uh, confusing and difficult for people to figure out. And so Mark Cuban's come in, brought his billions of dollars into the market and is now acting as a disruptor. And so we're going to talk about what that means, how you find these drugs, how that's different from GoodRx, another program that is out there to provide lower-cost right. drugs. Right. And uh, so I think people will find that interesting. If you take medications regularly, uh, it's, it's really worth going out to this cost-plus drugs and just putting in the drug that you're taking and seeing how much would it cost there versus what you're paying today. It's it's so worth at least understanding what's going on in that market.
0: Yeah, if you look at a $5 shipping, $3 labor to fill the prescription, that's 8 bucks, on top of just a 15% markup on certain drugs for certain conditions. That could be an enormous difference. Discount drugs, Jared Deshefsky, he'll be on with Lee Kelso in the 930 portion just before that. The whole body donation, I'm expecting to get people from IU Med sending me letters even starting tonight after this interview going, Pat, please, no, don't. We, uh, no. we have all the bodies we need. Uh, but Kelsey Byers will be there. And then Leslie Beck is going to talk about fermented foods that fight inflammation. And I'll tell you what, Lee, and you know this, that one is of real key importance to me because I can't take anti-inflammatories. That might just be an answer for somebody like me. So I hope you like sauerkraut, Pat. Get well, used to that kombucha. Give it a try. Yeah, I like I like sauerkraut. I'm the only one in the house, but I'm right now. I'm the only one that matters, <laughs> Lee Kelso. We hear him every Saturday from nine to ten. We'll do it this week too. Lee, thanks a whole ton. Thank you, buddy. We'll see you Saturday morning. Podcasts by Federated Media.